Welcome, everyone, to The Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We're going to have The Score's NFL insider, Jordan Schultz, joining the show a little bit later, and we're going to talk about the Matt Rule firing and the Christian McCaffrey trade rumors and who else could be dealt before the NFL trade deadline on November 1st. That's just a couple weeks away here, but before we get to that... The early edition of my rankings, they were published over on the score Tuesday night. The updated version of my trade value charts, they're available too, so give those a look for sure because we got bye weeks entering the mix now, and that's an opportunity to check in on some of those struggling teams in your league, see if they have guys on bye who they really can't afford to have sitting on their bench for a week, and maybe you could swing a two-for-one deal, you get a star player off them, you give them a couple decent starters, and you're trying to help them win now, but really what you want is the best player out of that deal, and I got a couple players in mind for that type of trade. So let's take a look at this week's buy low trade targets as we try to take your roster and frank it up just like our friends at Frank's Red Hot. And the first spot on the list, it does go to those guys who are on buy, who you might be able to get the slight discount on depending on how their manager is doing in your league. But there's two that I want to talk about specifically. It's DeAndre Swift and Amonra St. Brown, because there is a good chance that the managers with those two guys, they probably limped through the last couple weeks here. Swift played limited snaps in week three. Then he missed the last two games with shoulder and ankle injuries. And you had St. Brown. He was held out in week four. He barely played in week five. But before that, don't forget that a healthy Swift, he posted 175 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown against a really tough Eagles defense in the opener. He even put up 87 yards and a score in week two, despite the fact that he was already banged up in that game. And St. Brown, he was just as good, if not better, in the early weeks. 321 yards and three touchdowns in those first three games. He was averaging double-digit targets per game as well. Both guys are top 10 at their position when healthy for fantasy. And since they've been hurt, they're now on the bye. There is no better time to make an offer and try to get them because once they're back, as long as they can stay on the field, they are going to be huge difference makers in fantasy lineups. And the schedule isn't scary at all for them. They even get the Jets, the Panthers, and the Bears during the fantasy playoffs. So do your best to try to get out there and get Swift and Brown this week. You should also be making offers on Drake London. The rookie got out of the gates really quick. Five for 74 in his debut, eight for 86 in a touchdown in week two, three for 54 in a touchdown in week three. However, he has cooled off a bit in the last two weeks. Now, the targets were still there, though his snaps did dip in week five, but that likely had more to do with him landing on his knee, came out of the game, he got checked out. He is back at practice today on Wednesday, so not really concerned about that one at all. And he is clearly the top pass catcher in Atlanta when he's on the field. That schedule is going to get a lot easier for him in the second half of the season, and we see rookies do their best work in the back half of their first year. So now is the time to strike, see if you can get him before his numbers ramp back up. And then the last player on my list It's Elijah Mitchell, and you're probably wondering, why am I recommending trading for a player who is still a few weeks away from coming back? But it's really because I think this is the time you're going to get the best deal for him. No one is thinking about Mitchell right now. We haven't got an update in a while. The original expectation was that he was going to miss eight weeks. That would have him returning around week nine, but the 49ers are on by in week nine, so good chance we're going to see him back for week 10, and then you would have him for the stretch run. And when he's healthy, he'll step right back into that lead role in San Francisco. He got off to a great start in week one, 41 yards on six carries before he got hurt. And I know Jeff Wilson, he's been solid in his absence, but Wilson isn't a star. 
he's not a game breaker. Mitchell can be that. And he's got some really nice matchups in the final two months, including the Seahawks and that ever important first week of the fantasy playoffs. So if you're in good shape, you got a winning record, your team's strong, you're looking for somebody to help pull you over the top when it matters most. You go out, you get Mitchell, you put him in your IR spot, and you'll have a quality RB2 with RB1 weekly upside come November and December. So DeAndre Swift, Amonra St. Brown, Drake London, and Elijah Mitchell. Those are your trade targets this week as you try to take your roster and frank it up, just like our friends at Frank's Red Hot. All right, let's get our guest in here, Jordan Schultz, who was the big free agent acquisition at the score over the summer. He's joined us as an NFL and NBA insider. You can also find him on Twitter at Schultz underscore report. And he's contributing a ton of different content over at the score. It has been awesome to see. I was really excited when I heard about the hire and Jordan has been great since he started. He's been sending me news when he's breaking it. So I really appreciate that. And I appreciate him taking some time to hang out with us today. So Jordan, welcome to the show, man. Great to finally have you on here and we're going to put you to work in a second, but I want to know how has life been this season working at the score, even though, I mean, we're both working remotely, so we don't really have that office atmosphere, but how's it been? Well, I had plenty of office work at, when I was at HuffPost for like seven years and you know, I used to go in every day and then that whittled down to four or three days and I found that I could be well, oftentimes more productive when I was in my own element. Because in this business, as you know, Justin, it's a self-starter business. No one's going to yep. give you any crumbs. It's all you got to go fight for those crumbs. And eventually those crumbs become bigger bites. But when it comes down to it, um, the score was a great opportunity for me just because I felt like I, I could finally get the support of a bona fide organization that believed in, in what I was doing and you know what I was building. And ultimately, to me, that's all I really wanted. Well, it is awesome to have you, and there's a bunch of different topics that I want to hit on here, but right off the bat, I'm curious, what's your favorite storyline been so far in the first five weeks? There's a ton to choose from, but what stood out to you? I got to go with Gino. The first thing that came to mind when you asked me, and I guess to me, what he's done, well, I'd be really interested to know from a fantasy perspective, because I actually just picked him up in my league, and I can't believe that he's still available. Like, I know. how is Gino Smith? Still available in, what is it, like 60% of leagues now or 70%? I think it was like 65% when I did the waiver wire article on Monday. Yeah. So to me, it's just a great story because, you know, obviously they make the trade with Russ and everyone assumes, including me, that it's probably going to be Drew Locke's, Drew Locke's job or that he'd have a great opportunity to start. And then ultimately as well, with Gino that, you know, Seattle bringing him back for one year felt like, they they wanted to view him as a bridge. And, you know, I always thought, listen, he's 32, 33 years old. And I always thought that he was a really talented guy. And when I asked when I asked around the league um, now, you know, what why is he having this success? The the word I get is, you know, opportunity. And obviously, when you sit as long as he did and you have 10 years that ended the way they did, especially in New York yeah. uh, twice, the Jets and Giants, you know, you. You probably question yourself, but Gino is such a guy, such an interesting guy in the sense, Justin, that he's, it's almost like he, he welcomed the opportunity to sit because I think deep down he knew that it would be beneficial to him. And so, you know, I've talked to him throughout the season, even before the season, and I felt like he was super confident. And um, that was, that was, this, this is before even the success he's had. Like he really was legitimately like, I know I can do this. And then the guy that really sold it for me was DK. I had talked to DK in August, so before before the season even started as well, and he was like, Geno Smith is really good. And, you know, I 
I wanted to believe him so badly, but the fact that he hadn't played in so long and sat behind Russ, I really wanted to see it. And I think that's what we've seen as well. Just he, he has become a legitimate go-to starting quarterback, not just in fantasy, but just the New Orleans game, you know, where he throws for, throws for three touchdowns, 300 yards. And I'm not, I don't have the list in front of me, but his some of the throws he made in that game were super high-level throws. The the one to Lockett was incredible. He had the deep ball, the DK that got called back where he scrambled out of the pocket, had a touch pass. I mean, the guy is playing, I would push to say MVP caliber football, and that's a great story. Well, it's not that he's getting schemed up. You're touching on it there, right? Like, he is making the throws. Like, this has been legit so far. We'll see if he can keep it up. But I'll tell you, when I did my trade value chart update today in redraft for the rest of the season, I actually had Geno valued higher than Russ, and there was a few people commenting on that. But really, at this point in fantasy, I don't see how you could look at it otherwise. Unless something changes, and now you got Russ with the, the injury as well, I think you have to look at Geno as the better I mean, at the moment, the better real-life quarterback and the better fantasy quarterback. And I, and I misspoke. He turns 32 this week. So I think he just turned 32. I'm, I'm pulling up a, the article I wrote last week on the score, and these numbers are a little bit different now, but he was first in completion percentage in the league at 77. A QBR was third behind Mahomes and Tua. Um, and then obviously just the fact that, you know, they don't – it's not like the Seahawks offensive line – well, Seah- I should say it has been better. Uh, Abe Lucas has been really good and – they, they have drafted well, but it's still a really young, unproven offensive line. And to that to that point, um, he's going into the Saints game, which these numbers improved. 7 of 13 on passes of 20 or more yards, almost 200 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. So he's throwing the ball deep as well. And I just want to give you a quote from an executive. Russell Wilson's on his way to the Hall of Fame, but I don't think we can question that Geno's been the better player after a month of football. So that's exactly what you were just talking about. There you go. And I mean, the, the first month of the NFL season at all is always fantastic, right? Like you're finding out who the real contenders are. You find out which teams actually don't have a chance at all. And the Panthers are definitely in that second category. So it wasn't really a surprise by any means. I mean, that Matt Rule got fired. You never want to see anybody lose their job. I'm not suggesting that, but Rule wasn't making a very strong case to keep his, right? And I talked about it on Monday's show about Steve Wilkes taking over. And, you know, I think when news like this breaks, in my mind, I feel like it must be so interesting to be in your position where everyone's kind of scrambling to find out information and what's coming out of that building. And it just must be a time when when you're thriving out there. So I don't know if you've heard anything specific about what's going on in Carolina, but what's your outlook here with Matt Rule gone? Is it going to change anything the rest of the season? I mean, are they going to get that post-coach firing bump that some teams get here? No, and also we've been hearing rumors that they might fire sale um, you know, on names like DJ Moore or McCaffrey that they would at least consider it, which wouldn't help. Uh, I'm just looking at first first head coaches, first time NFL head coaches hired from college. I'm just going to give you some names, okay? It's not good. <laughs> Matt Rule, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Bobby, Bobby Petrino, Bill O'Brien, Chip Kelly, Steve Spurrier, Butch Davis. I mean, the list is horrendous. And you could argue that uh, out of all of those rules, other than Urban Meyer, was probably the worst. And when he left Baylor two short years ago, you know, he was considered a great offensive mind. And it's amazing to me how quickly that dissipates at this level. One of the problems, too, with that, and this has been reiterated to me over the last couple of days, Justin, is that because I think it was Fitterer came about a month after Rule, and he they didn't have that relationship, Tepper as well. There, there, there was no built-in relationship 
with Matt Rule. And it's not a precursor to success to have the GM, owner, and head coach on the same page, but it does help a lot. You touched on the the fire sale there. Do you think there's any truth to that stuff? Because, I mean, the, the Christian McCaffrey rumor was that it could potentially link him to the Bills. My Bills, I don't know if you know that. I am a Bills fan. But McCaffrey moving would be a huge story in fantasy. I don't feel like DJ Moore is going to go anywhere. I mean, he just signed that new contract with them. I think that one would be a little more surprising. I know a couple guys on the defensive side of the ball that could go like Burns and, and maybe Derek Brown. I mean, do you really think there's truth to some of that? Or you think that's just the kind of thing that when a coach gets fired, everybody says, well, the organization's looking to the future and they start to speculate about it? Well, I think Fit feels some pressure as the GM who, you know, constructed a lot of this roster. And, you know, McCaffrey, McCaffrey's one of those guys that, because he's a running back, even as great as he is, his value is naturally capped. But I do think that you can still get a lot for him. And and there's only probably only another year where that happens, you know, given his contract. Um, more than seven and a half million uh, of his is uh, more than seven and a half million of his 8.7 hit is a prorated bonus that the Panthers essentially are going to pay no matter what. So they're into him already for. A considerable amount, but if you can get back something, I would certainly listen to it. I, I just, I would be surprised if McCaffrey was moved. I, I asked around a little bit in terms of the interest, not necessarily would Carolina do it, but just a few teams that I, you know, felt like could use a running back, especially a really good one. And and there is interest, but the asking price is going to be enormous, even even right now, considering they yeah. don't have a ton of leverage. So I, I would be surprised if he was moved. I'd be less surprised if a guy like Brian Burns, who's a really good player, was traded. Uh, I'd be really surprised as well if, if DJ Moore was dealt. So bottom line, I don't really buy into this fire sale. Maybe one guy gets moved, but it, w- it won't be the this fire sale that we've kind of heard about. I hadn't really been thinking about NFL trade deadline. And I mean, part of that is because we don't normally see big names get dealt before the NFL trade deadline. It's not like the NBA or some of the other leagues, but... After that, those rumors kind of popped up in the last couple of days. I started thinking about it, and the trade deadline is November 1st, so we got a, a few weeks to go here. Is there anybody that, you know, you've heard their name kind of thrown out there, other than the Panthers guys, obviously? Is there anybody that you've heard their name thrown out there, or anybody that just stands out to you as somebody who could be dealt before the deadline? Not a lot, dude. And it's... uh. You mentioned NFL trades are... Especially in-season ones, yeah. Yeah, it's in-season, because, I mean, obviously draft night, like... You know, Hollywood Brown, A.J. Brown, um, there were quite a few big ones. In-season is extremely rare, uh, especially in division, even in conference. Teams are always super hesitant. You know, I I don't I don't see anything substantial happening. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm going through like potential targets right now and trying to find something juicy for you. Um, well, and part of it is the parody, too, in the NFL, right? Like, well, what did Tom still- Brady say? A lot of bad football. Exactly. And there's still some teams that are trying to convince themselves that they're contenders, even if maybe we can see it that they aren't at this point in their buildings. They still think they are. Yeah. And and what one of the things, too, is to that point, if you have a GM mentioned fitter or head coach that feels pressure and feels like the expectation before the season, Justin, was we're going to be a playoff caliber team. We're going to win nine, 10, 11 games. And you're not in that position right now. Then you feel the heat and that's when you start to see trades happen. That's why I think we still like get, it would come down to the wire. It often does. Um, one guy that has been mentioned to me that is worth talking about is Montez sweat, not a fantasy perspective situation for you. Well, IDP, we don't really do IDP too much on this show to defensive players, but yeah. 
But it comes down to positional value, which he has, uh, salary, which he has. He still has two years. And, um, you know, just a, a guy that could help a lot of teams. And given where Washington is and where, where they're – given where Washington is and where they're going, which is nowhere good, you could see someone like him being moved. But in terms of a marquee position like a quarterback, wide receiver, skill positions, I'd be – pretty surprised if anything substantial happened including with with cmc yeah you were talking we talked about gino off the top there about gino smith one of the things that's interesting about gino i mean that was a team that all off season we were hearing trade rumors about them that all the different quarterbacks are available could be going to seattle and then it turns out none of them ended up going there and i mean part of that is just 95 percent of the nfl rumors that we hear don't turn into anything like we've talked 97.5 percent yeah exactly it's even even more than that when it comes to the nfl ones but i mean for for gino he was a guy that wasn't a first round pick and like you said, it might have benefited him to have, I don't know if he needed as much time as he, he had, but to have several years where he was kind of sitting and, and learning systems and learning the way the NFL, and then he gets that opportunity. And it makes you consider like how teams should approach these young quarterbacks. I'm curious because now we look at it and you go, okay, you had Kenny Pickett in the first round this year. He's already out there. We'll see what he can do. He's got some really tough defenses that he has to face. And, you know, he went against the Bills, obviously. Didn't go great. We'll see if he can kind of improve and start to develop a little more as he goes. But then you look at some of the other rookies this year that weren't first round guys, right? You look at Desmond Ritter in Atlanta and Malik Willis in the Titans and even Sam Howell in Washington. When do you think we're going to see those guys under center? Do you think it's going to happen this year? Because you have those teams that probably aren't going to be big time contenders. So I would imagine that once they're out of it, we might start to see some of these guys play, which could have an impact for fantasy down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. If I so if I was, I think Ritter has the has the significant lead in terms of playing first for a couple of reasons. One is he's similar stylistically to Marcus Mariota. Um, they don't have to change the offense for him. Mariota's been really bad. And, you know, I guess, listen, Atlanta gave Tampa a fight, and we can talk all we want about Grady Jarrett, but they lost the game. Arthur Smith is stubborn when it comes to making the quarterback change, but I think Mariota, out of Mariota, Tannehill, and and Wentz, I'd probably say Mariota is going to get benched first at this rate. So I go Ritter. Willis is really interesting because he goes in the fourth round, we had heard that he could go in the top 10 a month a month out of the draft. So he's a guy that has tremendous talent and I thought really flashed in the preseason. But this is also a team that was the number one seed in the AFC and went into the season believing that they could win 11, 12 games and be right back there in the AFC hunt. So I would be surprised if Tannehill gets, gets benched. He had a horrible start. He's been better the last couple of weeks. And then the wild card, Sam Howell, because... Not only has Wentz been really bad, I know he's fourth in yards, but he's been terrible. You have T- Taylor Heineke there, who who I like and I think is a, is a solid guy. But I think if they were to make a change, you wonder if if they would just say in a few weeks when they're totally out of it, let's just go to the rookie and see what he can do. Um, Wentz, Wentz just, dude, I don't, I, I don't know if he's a relevant fantasy quarterback. I guess he has yards, but his inability to see the field, his lack of feel, and just it's almost like he 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 won't change, right? Like he's just not going to yeah. change the way he plays. And so to me, that's why Hal's the wild card there because he can extend plays in a way that Carson simply cannot. And uh, similar to Heineke, I guess you know he's a really good athlete. But but how I thought Hal 
when it, when it when it came to the preseason, he was a guy that I kept hearing about. Is watch out, he's impressed. Watch out, he's impressed. His arm's better than we thought. So I am excited about him, and I'm excited about Willis too. I mean, both those guys are really interesting prospects, even though they weren't first or second round guys. Yeah, really interesting for fantasy too, like a little bit of a rushing ability. Obviously, Willis, a ton of rushing ability. But Hal can um, move too. Yeah, I mean, all three of those guys can give you a little bit with their legs. So uh, we'll see how much that comes into play when they finally get out there. I mean, Willis, it's mostly going to be his legs fantasy-wise that we're going to be looking towards. All right, I know you got to run here. So uh, let's just jump into the rapid fire section down the stretch. So you can give a little bit of context if you want. I mean, we try to get through these really quickly here. We will start with which NFL team deserves more credit than they're getting so far. I love that. Um, I actually have two for you. I'm going to go AFC and NFC. The Jacksonville Jaguars. No, I, I can't quite go there because <laughs> after I praised Trevor, he's he's the last two weeks have not been good, and I thought I thought they, they're back, but no, they're they're really it's 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 been rough. Still a work in progress. Yeah, no, it it hasn't been hasn't been super ideal. I, I'm going to go with the Jets and the AFC. I think you know we. They escaped Cleveland with a win. I don't know how they did it. They're down 13 with two and a half minutes. Unbelievable. Then they then they beat um, Pittsburgh two weeks later, and then they they hammer Miami. And obviously, Miami has Skylar Thompson, their third string quarterback, a rookie. But you know they're, they're winning games, and it's not always pretty. But you know Sauce has been as advertised. I think Garrett Wilson's been as advertised. Brees Hall looks like a superstar. I love Jermaine Johnson. I mean, their draft yeah. uh, is just stacked. And, you know, that's a big credit to Joe D and the basically an entirely new organizational view view on how to run it. And it's still Woody Johnson, who I've been critical of as, as an owner. But I got to give Joe credit. Robert Sala has been, as a head coach, is winning games. And I give them a ton of credit, man. I'm, I'm actually really interested. I mentioned Brees Hall. Is he like, has he entered like top 10 caliber fantasy status he's i think i had him top 12 which would count as an rb1 for fantasy and then if you're looking at dynasty i mean he's right up in the conversation for like the top two or three guys like yeah he is he has advanced very quickly here he is sort of like the next you know we saw jonathan taylor kind of start a little slow and then about halfway through his rookie season come on well Brees hall started doing it even quicker than that and yeah i'm curious really just really quick a tangent um from a dynasty standpoint has rashad white made any any push yet? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, if you're talking about just Dynasty, I don't know if you're asking for a specific team here that you have, but yeah, I mean, with Lenny being at the age that he is, the only question there is just going to be, is Brady still going to be around? And what will that offense look like if Brady leaves? But yeah, with Lenny's age, I mean, you're going to see Rashad White step up for sure there. And even if, if Lenny gets hurt at some point this season, that's almost the the ideal scenario for Rashad White in fantasy that talent-wise, from what we've seen from him so far, He's looked really good, and if Lenny somehow isn't able to get out there, whether it's an injury or whatever, Rashad White could be that league-winning type. He's right in the conversation as like those high-end backups that you want to roster, the Alexander Madisons and and all those guys. Who was your, uh, you said AFC and NFC? I think it's too easy to go with Philly. I'll, I'll go with Dallas. You know, losing Dak and then winning four straight. Forget Cooper Rush just for a second because, hey, that's impressive. He's 29, and it's kind of like his Matt Flynn moment. But, but the defense, man, 14... 14.4 points a game allowed, which is third in the league. They're the second best red zone scoring percentage defense. And it's not just Diggs, who's been awesome. It's not just Parsons, who's been awesome. But, you know, it's Williams, Sam Williams, the rookie. It's uh, Curse coming back. Donovan Wilson playing for Curse. It, they play such disciplined football. They play on a string. Dan Quinn has them in such a great position. 
Uh, and, and more than anything, they just they, they rally to the football and they play for one another. And all that talent becomes amplified when you when you play for one another. It's it's pretty special to watch. I mean, it's it's actually their technically their best defense they've ever had. They're doing things that they they haven't done in franchise history, even when they had prime. So Dallas for me. All right. Who wins this time around between the Bills and the Chiefs? Big AFC playoff rematch here on Sunday. Where, I'm sorry. Where is that game? I, I haven't even seen it. It's it's in Kansas City. Give me the Chiefs. Oh, terrible. It's, That's not what I want to hear. It's Arrowhead. <laughs> it's Arrowhead for me, especially because they had a really sluggish start against the Raiders. Um, I got to go with the, with the Chiefs. I got to go with Chiefs. All right. Well, a short week for them, too. So kind of, kind of hoping that favors the Bills. A little bit of a revenge game there. Uh, let's hope that it's a really exciting game again. We'll say that. As football fans, we want another game like we saw in the playoffs, right? Uh, who's the favorite for MVP at the moment? Wow. Um, I guess it's either I guess it's either Josh or Pat. I'll, I'll go Pat because I think he's get he's got the most the most total touchdowns in the league, and I, I just give him a slight edge, but it's really slight over Josh. I mean, it's one two, and it's I guess you know there's really nobody else I'd put in that conversation. I mean, Herbert, we thought maybe Burrow, we thought maybe um, you know they they've been slow starting. And obviously the back-to-back reigning MVPs, you know, Aaron's really has not been great. Yeah, well, there's a reason why I asked those two questions next to each other, right? The, the Bills, Chiefs, and that one. I figured it was going to be one of those guys. Yeah, slight edge to Pat and Chiefs 34-30 uh, this weekend. All right, which player is being overlooked by fantasy managers heading into week six? We end every single show. Well, okay, what about, um, what, where, where has, what kind of year is, I haven't really heard, it doesn't seem like he's done a lot, but. Um, I, I was going to say, has Ayuk been a factor at all with Jimmy? I'm just looking at the numbers. Hasn't hasn't really done that much. He's been okay. He, he's been all right. Hasn't really had that big blow-up game yet. I know the schedule is going to start to get a little better for them. So, yeah, I, I feel like there's still a shot for him to, to have a big season. The, the other guy I would say I wrote about him today in my in my weekly column was, was Hollywood Brown. Um, I didn't even realize, bro, how good he's been. Yeah, the volume that he's getting has been crazy. That's the part that you wouldn't necessarily expect for him, but – the volume has really been there. Now, whether that continues when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, we'll see. Yeah, he's basically top 10 in every every major category. And it, I'm going to read you a quote from a GM, uh, um, an assistant GM I spoke with. He's consistently beating one-on-one coverage, and now he's at the point where you're forced to game plan for him every week. So, yeah, I, I would say Hollywood, I I guess having D-Hop back in a week or two weeks, does that hurt him? Does it help him a little bit? Does it not really matter? Yeah, I mean he'll be he'll be a, a top twelve fantasy receiver this week, and then we'll see if that changes. But yeah, I would imagine that the rest of the way he is still going to be a, a top fifteen, top twenty guy, even with uh, even with Hopkins back. All right, that is all for today's show. I know you got to run once again. Go follow Jordan on Twitter at Schultz underscore Report. Check out all his content over on the Score app. Check it out on the Score social media accounts. Really everywhere. My guy's taking over the world. We are happy to have him with us and. This was the first of hopefully many conversations, many times we get you on the pod here. So thank you so much for taking the time, dude. And uh, yeah, I look forward to doing this again soon. As for me, uh, there won't be a Friday injury show this week. I have a wedding to attend on Friday afternoon and night, but uh, the rest of my content stays the same. So rankings update Thursday, starts at stash quit up Friday morning, and then we'll do the usual Q&A over on Twitter spaces on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So you can check out my Twitter account at Justin Boone for that or the score's main account. They'll be tweeting out the link as well. But until then, big thanks again to Jordan. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time Leave on time with me tonight I said leave on time